Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to Basketball Conference, the ACC football podcast. My name is Joey Weaver. He is Mike McDaniel. Mike, week 12 in the books. Uh, this is a, a bit of a wild week in the ACC. How are you doing? You ready to talk about it? I am. There were a few results that surprised me, Joey. Yes, there were. And uh, one in particular sticks out, I think, that uh, probably made some headlines nationally. I would say so. As uh, my Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets, 21, the number 13 NC, uh, NC, North Carolina Tar Heels, 17. Um, This game really caught me out of nowhere. Um, I lost personal investments on this game both on North Carolina minus 21 and Georgia Tech team total under 20. So that was fun. Um, We'll just get that out of the way first. But I'll say this. I mean, incredible comeback win for Georgia Tech here. Um, I thought that they struggled early in this game, especially in ways that we really expected them to. Um, They went back and forth the first several drives between Zach Gibson and Ty Pumachon. Nothing seemed like it was working, so it was like, oh, we'll just try the other guy. Oh, just try the other guy. And – Eventually, they got to a point where I think Gibson was the primary quarterback, but Pumachon was coming in at times, even in the middle of drives, for a little bit of QB run game and some of those things. It was, it was kind of a wonky game plan, but basically Georgia Tech ends up holding the ball for well over 34 minutes of this game, uh, limited the possessions, and were able to really kill off the clock at the very end in the fourth quarter just to totally uh, uh, squeeze the life out of the game you know, for North Carolina and their offense. Um I'll say this too, North Carolina's offense, and really on both sides of the ball, they looked bad in the trenches. This Georgia Tech team is not that good on the offensive line. It is not that good on the defensive line. And they absolutely ate North Carolina's lunch for 60 minutes in the trenches in this game. And it was kind of wild to watch. Um, Elijah Green goes 80 yards on, on a you know, ran an 80-yard touchdown run on the first play from scrimmage. The rest of the day, Carolina goes 32 carries for a hundred and or sorry, 32 carries for 83 rushing yards. After that, um, not great. They struggled to get anything going in the run game. Drake May did not look comfortable all day. Just very, very out of sync. And even then, um, even after all that, and after Carolina had squandered multiple red zone opportunities in this game, it came down to it at the end. And they gave the ball up with about four minutes left after Josh Downs is wide open on the goal line. There is a pass that hits him in the hands, and he just dropped it. Mike, one of the best receivers in the country, gets a pass. He's open, hits him in the hands. He just drops it, turned it over on Downs. Carolina never got the ball back. Georgia Tech won. Hey, Scott, um, can you play Yaki Sacks, please? Joey, we're just going to get this out of the way right now. <laughs> Joey, we have a recipient of the Brian Van Gorder Memorial You Tried Award. Yep. That goes to Josh Downs for that drop. It does. That was the ball game. That was the ball game. Mm -hmm. And he not only dropped a touchdown pass that 
not only would have won North Carolina the game, um, he dropped a touchdown pass that ended Drake May's Heisman chances. So uh, he gets the U-Try award this week. There's a chance that Drake May still makes it to New York, but agree. This was this was a tough look. This was a, a bad game against not that good of a defense. That you right. can't really excuse this one away. No, 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 no. I mean, he could still make it to New York, but this ended any chances he had of actually winning the award, Joey. Right. So right. A, a couple things here. So you touched on on the first point. Carolina was bad in the trenches. Really, really bad mm-hmm. up front. Um. You mentioned a Georgia Tech defensive line. Like for as good as Georgia Tech's defense has been this year, and it's been pretty good, they they have struggled up front, right? And it was surprising to me that Carolina's offensive line struggled as much as it did against Georgia Tech's defensive line. It also surprised me uh, that Georgia Tech's offensive line held up so well against Carolina's defensive front. Um, th- this was this was bad in the trenches for Carolina. I think that's where they lost the game. I also want to mention a stat here, so. Georgia Tech was able to sustain drives all night long, um, especially in the fourth quarter. Uh, Georgia Tech was 8 of 15 on third down. North Carolina, one of the top offenses in the country, was 4 for 14 on third down in this game. That was huge. Mm -hmm. Um, Georgia Mm -hmm. Tech got off the field on third down. Carolina didn't. The other part of this, too, is I saw you mention this on Twitter, Joey, because we've we've caught flack on this podcast for um, not talking about Carolina's defense enough, weirdly. But like neither one of us supposedly thinks, not not giving them credit right. for supposedly being better than we say they are. I, I think we've given them the appropriate amount of credit for being a really bad defense, and <laughs> they, they weren't particularly good in this game. But they weren't particularly bad either. Like my big takeaway here, and and I get I, I got your angle. I saw what you put what you posted on Twitter about hey these are these are backup quarterbacks they're playing they got to be better than this. I hear you and I agree. But where Carolina lost this game was offensively. I mean, this is one of the top offenses mm-hmm. in the country, and they legitimately couldn't score against Georgia Tech in this football game. This was, I mean, 21 points against Georgia Tech. I get, you know, Zach Gibson's a backup. I get Ty Pumachan's a backup. I get that. But, like, when you're Carolina and your offense has been rolling like this all year, only only allowing 21 points, that should be enough for your offense to get over the hump. And for as poorly as they played, they had that opportunity at the end, of course, that Josh Down dropped wide open in the end zone. But... There were plenty of chances that Carolina had in this game to, to move the ball down the field. They weren't really able to do it. Um, Drake May was never comfortable in the pocket, right? I thought Carolina ran the ball okay, but Drake May was never comfortable in the pocket at all in this football game. I mean, he was 16 of 30 passing. I get, you know, there was a downs drop. There were a couple other drops in there, but he was never comfortable back there. Um, he got sacked six times. Threw the ball after Sam Howell got sacked eight times by this Georgia Tech defense last year. Yeah, and he and he threw the ball. He threw the ball into into double coverage a couple times. Um, he only had one interception, but it could have been easily two or three um, with, with how he was putting the ball in harm's way, which is saying something for Drake May because he hasn't turned the ball over much this year. He only had four interceptions on the season coming into this game. So mm-hmm. I mean, he's been a guy who's really really taking good care of the football this year, and I thought he was pretty careless with the ball in this game, and I think that's a credit to Georgia Tech's defense. Carolina just flat out got beat here. Um, mm-hmm. This is one of the most surprising. <laughs> so I would say this is this was one of the most surprising outcomes of the weekend. I think that's a fair statement. Um, if it weren't for that South Carolina Tennessee game, which I think kind of took the cake this weekend, but yeah, this was this was up there. This was surprising. I did not see this coming. There was no reason to really see this coming with Georgia Tech with you know a backup quarterback and the whole nine. Um, 
not even their uh, quote-unquote good backup quarterback was Zach Pyron, you know, uh, bringing a collarbone, mm-hmm. being out for the year. Going back to Zach Gibson, still finding a way to win this football game, I think is really impressive. Yep. I, I agree with you. North Carolina's offense, I mean, again, they stalled out. There were three separate drives where they ran at least one play in the red zone and came away without any points on it. Uh, there was another where they kicked a field goal uh, from inside the basically they had the ball inside the 10 yard line ended up kicking a field goal so like there were a lot of points left out there by this offense and uh, so that's definitely a piece of it the other piece of it to me again I, I do blame their defense a decent amount because I, I mean remember how many times did Virginia sack Zach Gibson on that Thursday night I think it was eight times right. they sacked him something like that do you know how many times North Carolina sacked either of these quarterbacks last night I'd have to pull it up that would be none, yeah. Mike. They didn't get to the quarterback once. Yeah. That is a bad look. It's a bad look. And and so I just I, – again, credit to Georgia Tech. I thought they had a really good game plan. I thought they they, they executed where they needed to. Uh, the drive that they put together, again, at the end, they get the ball with four minutes and ten seconds left. They run 11 plays, 28 yards to, to uh, you know remove the final four minutes and change from the clock. Uh, that was huge from them. And I just they scored 21 straight points to end this game. They were down 17 to nothing and uh, managed to make that comeback and 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 do all of that. Really, uh, most of it in the second half, um, some of it a little bit before halftime, you know. But I just credit to Brent Key and that coaching staff for, I think, a, a, a great coaching job here. A little bit of shame on North Carolina, too, for I don't know if they were looking ahead, if they took this for granted or, or what exactly happened. There also might just be something again. This is the second straight year that they've lost this game to Georgia Tech. Yep. And again, Tech's defense has just utterly confused North Carolina's offense and, and caused massive problems for them. So I don't know if there's something to that. Um, I don't know what it was, you know, but but Georgia Tech certainly looked like the better team for a hefty portion of that game last night and uh you know they get the win and, and credit the jackets yeah no credit the jackets i think the better team absolutely won this game yep yep so georgia tech finishes the season five and six uh we had a good year uh, i don't think that there's a game coming up this weekend so just don't even worry about looking for that on the schedule it's going to be fine um Carolina nine and two, uh, six and one in conference. They're obviously the, the coastal division champions, but they'll play NC State next week, and uh, we'll we'll have to see where that puts them in the rankings and everything. Um, I I don't know if they, they might if they can beat Clemson maybe in a couple of weeks, maybe they still can go to the Orange Bowl or something. But I think this effectively ends whatever outside chance they had of getting into the playoff. I'm glad we don't have to play that game anymore and ha- kind of have that whole charade. Definitely not. Definitely not. Uh, Georgia Tech 21, North Carolina 17, a huge win for, for Brent Key and that staff. Um, I, You know, we will see what ends up happening there with that job. I'd really like to think some, – somebody pointed out – I think it was Matt Thompson on Twitter, pointed, who's a Georgia Tech fan, pointed out, like, you really would hope that we're not making coaching hiring decisions based on whether or not Josh Downs catches a ball uh, going into the end zone there at the end of the game. Like, that's that's the difference between winning and losing, and if it's – a five-win team versus a four-win team that makes you want to hire Brent Key, like I would want to reevaluate the hiring process a little bit. But you know, I guess time will tell with uh, what we do there. He's definitely not coaching himself out of the job. I'd say that. Mm-mm. Definitely not. I mean, there's there's still a couple of head-shaking losses that like 
mean, you realize how close this team was to making a bowl game. Like if they had beaten Virginia on that Thursday night, if they had, you know, if, 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 but you know, oh, well. Yeah. Uh, beat Carolina though. They did. They did. Georgia Tech 21, North Carolina 17. Let's keep moving here, Mike. Louisville 25, the somehow ranked number 24 NC State Wolfpack 10. Um, this game did not go how I thought it would. It There was an element that went exactly how I thought it would. I, I was expecting Malik Cunningham not to play for Louisville. Uh, he did not. That was confirmed, I guess, Saturday morning that he wasn't going to play. Instead, in his place was Brock Duman, um, our very favorite. I thought he looked really good, actually. I thought this was a, a really good coaching job from Scott Satterfield to get him ready to play and to set up this offense to, to be able to move the ball a little bit with him in the game. Um, what what did not really uh, occur to me or was not really something that we were prepared for when we were picking this game was that MJ Morris did not play in this game for yeah. NC State. Yeah. That changes the math a little bit. It does. Um, it does. <laughs> this is another game with a team kind of flip-flopping back and forth between their third and fourth string quarterbacks as uh, Ben Finley and Jack Chambers were kind of going back and forth in the game. Neither one could really get a whole lot of anything going. And Louisville's defense continues to look good. I mean, they, they cause problems for this NC State offense that's, you know, obviously depleted from an injuries standpoint primarily. But um, I, credit to Louisville. This is, this is a good win. Louisville 7-4, and four. like, out yeah. of nowhere. We, we thought they were absolutely done earlier this year. And uh, credit to Scott Satterfield and that staff. They keep playing. Yep, and they got another winnable game next Saturday because I know we always talk about mm. Louisville and Kentucky, but Kentucky, mm. my guy, Kentucky is – bad up front and Louisville's defensive line is not looking too shabby and Will Levis might not actually be that good so um I think Louisville's got a better shot in that game than uh they usually do let's put it that way so the fact the fact they're even in this discussion where they have seven wins with a chance of getting number eight in a rivalry game at the end of the year is not somewhere we thought they would be at the beginning of the year so very true credit Satterfield um very very safe at this point uh not going anywhere the louisville offense in this game was uh, (laughs) fully acknowledging they didn't have Malik cunningham but but the louisville offense in this game was just not very good i mean they benefited they had a 98 yard they had 98 yard kickoff return for a touchdown they somehow were Mm -hmm. able to amass like you know almost 350 yards of total offense a big chunk of that was on the ground because they knew they weren't going to be able to really throw um Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they rack up almost 200 yards rushing, which is a story of the game. Like, NC State's defense, uh, not really that bad, but didn't really show up to stop the run in this game. And that's where this game was lost for NC State. That and the fact they didn't have MJ Morris, because there's obviously a pretty significant step down from MJ Morris to Jack Chambers and or Ben Finley, who went 16 yep. of 35 in this game for 200 yards. So, you know, he made every passing attempt count there. There were a couple games this weekend, too, I think, where like wind and elements kind of came into play. And this was one of them. I think there was a, a decent amount of wind here in this game, which obviously third and fourth string quarterbacks aside, like changes up your uh, your passing game or, or kind of limits the effectiveness there. So, yeah, I think the, 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 the big thing for this game for Louisville, A, getting a special teams touchdown was a huge deal. And then, like you said, I mean, B, getting almost 200 yards on the ground. Uh, Jawar Jordan was also able to break off one or two longer runs. Um, including one that went for a touchdown. And NC State's offense was just having such a tough time at getting any momentum for a majority of this game. Um, 
wasn't a pretty uh, wasn't a pretty game either way. Uh, again, both both offenses kind of struggling, being outdone by the defenses. But Louisville continues to get it done. They're pretty. Don't think it's a hot cedar field anymore. No, <laughs> no, no, no more hot cedar fields. Um, they're pretty lucky they had Jawar Jordan because mm-hmm. without Jawar Jordan, they 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 don't rush for a hundred. They don't even rush for a hundred yards. And then uh, on top of that, they don't have that kickoff return for a touchdown. So, I mean, he single-handedly won this game for Louisville. Um, getting in the end zone twice, that was huge. Yeah. Tylon Evans, by the way, barely plays in this game. Um, he, he had a couple of carries for a couple of yards, but I know he's he's been kind of banged up over the last few weeks. Um, I, I think he might have had to go out of this game a little bit early. And uh, just with the way that Jawar Jordan and Maurice Turner were able to run, you know, they were able to get it done without him. So um, Louisville also comes up with five sacks in this game. So credit to them. Um, there was also an, uh, one interception of Ben Finley in particular. So um, disappointing way to kind of be finishing out the season, I think, for NC State. But once again, I mean, there, there's been a lot of injuries. And this, this team is once again really banged up, which I don't know if there's anything you can make of that. But it does seem like this happens to NC State fairly frequently that they end up with yeah. a number of critical injuries agree. Um, agree seems like just some of that uh good old hashtag nc state stuff they so they don't they don't recruit well enough from a depth standpoint to kind of withstand the injuries that they had but like that's not really a shot at nc state because there are a lot of teams in the acc that don't recruit the way they need to to have the injuries that nc state had and be okay uh right. I, I will say i, I think nc state and Dave Doran deserves some credit for having MJ Morris on the roster and having him look competent mm-hmm. when, when he's been healthy and, and ready to play. Oh, yeah. um, be- because, I mean, the season effectively could have ended as soon as Devin Leary went down. I know the offense had been struggling. Not struggling, but like hadn't been running at like peak efficiency how we thought it would coming into the year. Uh, but this could have been way, 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 way worse on offense for NC State. And... I get that it didn't go great on Saturday because MJ Morris was out of the lineup, but this could have been much worse, you know, from the time Devin Leary got injured um, moving forward. And NC State, I mean, their season wasn't lost when Leary went out because we we know the games they lost like to that point. They lost a really important one against Clemson, and then Devin Leary got hurt after that. But NC State still could have won probably nine games this year if Leary was healthy. And the fact that they're going to be at best eight and four is probably pretty telling to the amount of injuries they had, but it still wasn't. I mean, Dave Dorrance had way worse coaching jobs than this. I, I will say that. Yeah. This was for them to even scrap together a few wins after Devin Leary went out. I think is pretty significant. Yep. Yep. That defense, you know, again, I thought they played well. Like they, they only gave up one defensive touchdown in this game. You know, right. they, they gave Louisville's offense some, some problems and that linebacker core continues to be, I think one of the best linebacking groups in the country, but at some point you got to score points and that's hard to do when you're on your fourth string quarterback and right. you know, you've lost Demi Sumo Bay for a while. And some of these guys that just, you know, aren't out there. Like it's, it's just tough to do. So yep. Louisville 25 NC state 10. Uh, let's keep rolling. Mike, another weather affected game. I thought Pitt 28 Duke 26. Um, this game was a mess. I I felt like yeah. both of these teams were sloppy. Uh, they made a lot of mistakes. Izzy Abanacanda basically is the the difference maker here. He goes for 113 yards and a touchdown on the ground. 
Um, he was really the, the the key point of success for Pittsburgh's offense. I, Keaton Slovis looked pretty bad, I thought. A couple of interceptions, including one where he hit a wide-open Shaka Hayward. Uh, problem is Shaka Hayward was not wearing the right jersey, uh, right jersey for him to be throwing to. Uh, but there he was. I this game. By the way, this went a little bit sideways, and uh, in a way that you know maybe we just go ahead and give out the uh, Go ACC moment of the week. Let's do it. Let's do it. Scott, play Let's the music. Hit the music. We uh, so late in the fourth quarter, Pitt gets the ball about three and a half minutes left. They uh, they run a, a play, get a timeout off of Duke, and eventually throw an incomplete pass. They're ready to punt. So with three minutes and 15 seconds, they are on their own 44-yard line going to punt. Well, sometimes you snap the ball right at the punter's head, and it goes off of his hands and past him, and he has to scramble backwards, gets tackled immediately by a Duke defender for a loss of 22. So Pitt, protecting an eight-point lead, snaps the ball over the punter's head, and ends up giving the ball to Duke on the 22-yard line. Duke, of course, seven plays later, punches it in for a touchdown. Went for two, did not get it, but that would have been the game-tying score. So uh, shout-out to Pittsburgh's special teams for the uh, Go ACC moment of the week there. I was sneezing there, sorry. Um, <laughs> that play was significant because that's how Duke ran the cover play. So just want to get that out yes, there. Yes, they did. So Yeah. Shout-out Pittsburgh. Shout-out to Duke for getting home. Shout out! Shout out to Duke for getting home and kind of finishing this thing off. Yeah, agree, agree. I like, mean, in fairness, like they weren't going to have covered because no. they went for two after uh, scoring a touchdown earlier and didn't get it. I I didn't fully gauge if that was a weather thing. They didn't want to kick the ball in the wind or or something, or if that was trying to get clever when you're down fourteen, go for two and try to win the game kind of thing. I think that's probably what Mike Elko was doing. But yeah. Um, so Pitt had a uh, fumble return for a touchdown in this game, by yeah. the way. So that yeah. helped to pump up their score. Yeah, this was um, I don't know. This is a game of mistakes. There were only four there were four turnovers. There probably should have been like six or seven between these two teams. Agree. Yeah, I agree. Um Yeah, I mean this is this is tough. I mean, this is tough for Duke, right? So I mean they, they fall down early and then it just kind of felt like, I mean, they were hanging around, hanging around, hanging around, but it felt like they could never really get over the hump. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. I will say, like, from a game script standpoint and with, like, how Duke played offensively, it kind of went how I thought. I expected them to run the ball a little bit better, um, but, like, Riley Leonard, I-, I think the difference between Pittsburgh winning this game and Pittsburgh losing this game was Pittsburgh's ability to stop Riley Leonard from running the football because we've seen so many times this year mm-hmm. where Riley Leonard's been really good throwing the ball and his numbers weren't great. I mean, he threw for almost 300 yards and three touchdowns, but he was 24 or 45. So, like, Pitt made him work for it. But mm-hmm. I think where the, the difference is made, and I, I know there were sacks and stuff like that in there, but seven carries, negative four yards, right? So, like, he wasn't able to be a key cog in the running game like he has been multiple times this year. They didn't right. let they didn't let him be that dual threat at the quarterback position. So Pitt made Duke work for everything they got in this football game. Everything they got. Um and, and the biggest difference, like you mentioned, Joey, off the top, is like is he a Banicanda? Like it's great to have him on the team, right? Because you give him the ball and you let him work. And mm-hmm. 
Duke didn't really have an answer for him. Like, he averaged over six and a half yards per carry in this game, had a touchdown. They, quite frankly, should have given the ball to him more. Um, you know, I don't understand why when you have Izzy Abandicanda in your backfield and Keaton Slovis is a, <laughs> let's just say mediocre passer, right? He's probably below average. That's a lot of credit. Yeah, okay. He's a below average passer. And you have him throw the ball 32 times when Izzy Abanikana is averaging six and a half yards per rush. And it wasn't like Izzy Abanikana just like broke one long run in this football game. And then that was it. Like his longest run was 26 yards. So, I mean, he was pretty consistent all day long. So why didn't you just continue to give him the football? That, that's kind of the question I have coming out of this. I think Pittsburgh probably could have yeah. won this game by more. They probably could have covered if they did those things. And they almost ended up covering anyway. But Duke didn't really have an answer for him in this game, and then Duke really struggled to run the football, and I think that's kind of where Pittsburgh kind of separated themselves in this game. I would say it's been a consistent theme for Pitt this year that Izzy Abanikanda is like the most consistent, consistently good thing about their offense. And, I mean, Jared Wayne's had a really good year. They've had a couple of good moments at times, but um, but just give it to Izzy. I, I don't I don't fully get I mean and I know he's he has been a little bit banged up he's dealt with injuries at a couple of points but like you know just keep giving him the ball like he like you said I mean he was consistently good you know play to play here and uh, that was really the thing that Pitt's offense rode to to help win this game. Pitt's done this before where they like didn't give the ball to Crawdry Allison and you and I were like why aren't they giving him the ball more like this is mm-hmm. a this is a thing that they do under Narduzzi. Which this is all a weird conversation. We've also criticized them for uh, redoing this offense after how good it was last year. But uh, at the same time, last year Kenny Pickett was much better than what Keaton Slovis is this year. So it's like you know you got to win games. But like I don't know, I don't know. There's something there, Mike. Just give it to Izzy. Yeah, yeah. Just give it to Izzy. Agree. <laughs> Pitt twenty-eight. Duke twenty six. Uh, both teams seven and four, by the way. Sure, saw that coming. Go ACC, baby. Let's go. Let's keep moving, Mike. Number nine, Clemson forty. The Miami Hurricanes ten. That's a cover. And honestly, a little surprised it was even that much. That's a cover, baby. Wait, was it Clemson minus eighteen? Oh, Clemson covered. Yeah, I was like Miami didn't cover here. Like, no, no, this wasn't a no. 32 point spread that's that's uh now that's that's a cover for the good guys so to speak Miami improves to one and nine against the spread this year in FBS games and you you decided to pick them I know it's just one of those things it's like they're one and eight like they can't possibly lose again they can't possibly fail well they did um this game was never really all that competitive. It was 24 to nothing Clemson uh, at halftime. Clemson really looked pretty sharp on offense for a, a good portion of the first half. And then I guess kind of threw it into cruise control in the second half. They, um, they really, it, it, out of halftime, it took them until the, like mid fourth quarter to get back into the end zone. Uh, but this game was never close. It never felt close. Even at, Miami scores a touchdown uh, early in the fourth quarter to make it 26 to 10. It never felt close, Mike. No, I mean, I, so I bet Clemson minus the 18 or it was either minus 18 or minus 18 and a half. I I bet them Saturday morning. And then the news broke that Tyler Van Dyke wasn't playing. Um, It was Ja'Curry Brown who was going to be making the start. 
then I felt really, really good about that. Um, and, I mean, it showed. He was 6-13 of 13 for 53 yards in an interception, never looked comfortable throwing the ball. He was their leading rusher with 22 yards rushing. Um, I mean, my, Miami's offense left a lot to be desired here. They had 98 yards on the day. They were 3-11 for 11 on third down, and they only had six first downs in the entire game. They were terrible on yep. offense. and Absolute grease spot. They were terrible on offense. Now, on the flip side, you mentioned Clemson's offense. I thought this was the best they've looked in about a month offensively. Uh, now, playing against Miami kind of cures all ills, but they looked pretty <laughs> sharp offensively. DJU had his best game. I mean, he threw a pick, but he had his best game in a month. Um, you know, mm-hmm. he, he was effective in the running game, was effective in the passing game. You know, they, they didn't. They didn't have as much success running the ball with Will Shipley as I expected them to have coming into the game, but I guess Miami keyed on him a little bit more too, which, I mean, I think that's the way to beat Clemson. You shut down Will Shipley and try to have DJ beat you through the air. The thing, though, is like, and I mentioned this on the preview, Miami's defense gives up explosive plays. If there's one thing DJU mm-hmm. is pretty good at, it's uh, finding explosive plays in the passing game, like deep down the field, mm-hmm. like the whole big-time throw rate stat that he's, you know, you're top of the country in. Yeah, like he found a few of those in this game. So that yeah. that part of the uh that part of the production went about as I expected. So Yeah. Miami's defense is just not very good. Miami's offense never had a prayer once Van Dyke was out, and they were going to have a hard time anyway, but obviously they, I think they would have played much better if Van Dyke was in the game. I don't think they would have had like ninety eight yards of offense. Um I think they still would have struggled, but it wouldn't have been this bad. I mean it really bottomed out. Couldn't run. They knew Ja'Curry Brown couldn't throw. Clemson's defense was just pin your ears back and get after the get after the kid. So yeah. this was a really, really tough spot for Miami. It went kind of as I expected it to go. Like you mentioned, I mean, Clemson was in cruise control. They're up, you know, four scores at halftime. And this thing was over. Um, you knew Miami wasn't getting back into this game. No. Mike, question for you. Um, if you were... Jake Garcia's parent, would you uh, would you post things on social media about how much playing time he's getting, or would you just go pick him up and, and drive him home? Oh, like Mario Cristobal was uh, suggesting that the kids do? It was just a hypothetical. Uh, you know, I don't know. That was oddly, throwing it out there. That was oddly specific. <laughs> yeah, that was fun. That was it's always a good sign when uh, you know late in the week you see the coach saying things in press conferences like, "Yeah, if parents are mad about their kids' playing time, they can just pick them up and take them home," which is factually accurate, but just it's not a good sign when uh, when that's being discussed. Also, I think it could have been strategic. Yeah, maybe he's hoping they do. He's trying to get some of these guys out of here. I don't want to look too deeply into this or read too deeply into it, but like, there's a there's an off chance, Joey, that. Chris Ball in the back of his mind was like, you know what? I wish a bunch of these kids got picked up by their parents. <laughs> yeah. It's a whole yeah, culture exactly. thing we've been talking about with Cam. We're like, I think they need a total like roster overhaul. A good way yep. to do that yep. would have a bunch of them just kind of quit. That'd be good. Just have them leave. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. Mike, that's all I got in this one. Anything else before we keep moving? No. <laughs> no. Sorry, Miami. Clemson 40, Miami 10. Yeah. Um, I think we were supposed to invite Cam on, by the way. We totally oh, blanked shit. on yeah, that. Yeah, that's all right. Hi, Cam. Sorry. We Hi, didn't, Cam. I didn't yeah, mean well, to. We'll bring him back. I, I just remembered. Um, 
Mike, let's keep moving. Before we do, let's remind the people about Section103.com. It is the Internet's premier place to buy all things wonderful Georgia Tech apparel. They've got T-shirts, sweatshirts, hoodies, things using the official tech gold, all the official word marks, all sorts of wonderful things to help people remember that you support Georgia Tech. They look good. They are comfortable. Mike, they're currently running a Gold Friday sale uh, now through November 28th. So that'll be, what, next Monday. They are doing 20% off all sorts of things. They have brought back the ugly sweatshirt that they had last year that was a huge hit. So go get get you one of those now. There is a new shirt and sweatshirt hoodie. There's there's a few options of it. It is a white shirt that has a kind of a script gold that says Ramblin' Wreck on there. It is a gorgeous, gorgeous item. So highly recommend going and getting you some of that. They have things for men, women, children, something for the whole family. It's not just supporting the football team. You can support the basketball team, the volleyball team, baseball, anybody else. Go find all of it at section103.com. Use promo code GOACC for 10% off your first order. Although, again, you get 20% off between now and November 28th for their uh, Gold Friday sale. So go uh, go check that out. Yep. Shout out to Steven and the gang. Appreciate your partnership. Let's keep going here. Mike, Wake 45, Syracuse 35. Um, did you get a chance to watch this game? I did. This this, What happened here? This feels like it went sideways for Wake's defense in particular. I, how did Syracuse rack up 35 points here? <laughs> <laughs> well, Garrett Schrader threw for 324 yards in this game. Now, what what I will say about this is that Wake Forest jumped out. I mean, it was 24-21 at halftime. Wake Forest jumped out to a little bit of a lead here in the second half, and Syracuse was in a position where they had to throw. Like, they absolutely had to throw. Now, the the thing about Wake Forest defense in this game, Joey, is that Sean Tucker had his most successful game of the year against, like, a real opponent. 16 carries for 106 mm-hmm. yards. This was the most balanced that Syracuse's offense has looked uh really in a while like even when they were on their winning streak like they were finding ways to do it without getting the production out of the running game this was one of their most balanced offensive efforts of the season um now what i will say too is that wake was up like almost three scores in the fourth quarter um it was 45 28 and syracuse almost backdoored this thing it was Mm -hmm. (laughs) they missed a field goal with 47 seconds left i was watching intently as somebody who's holding a wake minus nine and a half ticket so so you got it nine and a half i got it nine and a half and uh that covered yep that covered uh that ticket cashes so yeah um yeah, really, really happy that Andre Smite, one of the better kickers in the ACC, missed a 34-yard field goal. Felt man. good about that, man. I thought that bet was so dead, and that and was he doesn't miss those. Like, I mean, that was with four, wow. Yeah, that was with four seconds left. He, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I was screaming because I was like, "Why are they doing this? This is you're down, you're down by ten. I mean, I, I, I halfway <laughs> understood it. It was third and ten. They're down by ten. But I'm like, why are they? Mm-hmm. Why are they waiting so long to kick this field goal? I was, I was screaming. I was like, why are we doing? We're we're gonna do this, are we? We're gonna try to kick this field goal. Then we're gonna try recover an onside. Then we're gonna try to score quickly, like with no time left. Like, why I are we doing? Stanford this? Stanford did the same thing last night against Cal. What? They're down ten with like three seconds left, and they kicked a field goal. Yeah, <laughs> the game was over, but they put the, put it over the total. Like it was an absolute bad beat city. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. That's a, that is a weird move. 
I was ready to scream. So, yeah. anyway, he missed it, so no harm, no foul. But, yeah, I mean, Wake <laughs> Wake got out. I mean, it was 45-21. Syracuse threw a pick six. Um, that was a killer, right? So they throw a pick six there uh, towards the end. Or, I'm sorry, beginning of the fourth quarter. That put Wake up 45-21, um, and that's kind of how Syracuse got into, we're going to throw the ball a ton because mm-hmm. we're <laughs> This is now getting away from us, and they, they crawled their way back into it. But and Wake Forest defense seemed more than willing to facilitate that passing. Like, yes, yes, for sure. And, and like I will say too, I thought Wake Forest the second half was much more efficient um, on the offensive end, and they got the stops they needed to on defense. The pick six was huge um, because this was it quickly went from ten to twenty four, like. Syracuse punted wake went down and scored 11 play 55 yard drive and then Syracuse throws a pick six two plays later so this thing escalated pretty quickly right it goes from a 10 point game to a 24 point game in a matter of about like a minute and a half of game time so Mm -hmm. that's really where this game was lost um for Syracuse but yeah I mean Syracuse is, is again you know in really good position to win the first six lose the last six which I think they'll beat Boston College. They should. But, um, yeah. Who knows? I mean, stranger things have happened than Boston College winning that game next week. And it would just, I mean, I don't know. It's like, I feel like I'm starting to see and hear a couple of things that Dino Baber's seat might be heating back up. <laughs> um, and, and that's not a joke. Like, Everyone felt real good when you were six and zero and ranked. People feel less good when you've lost five in a row, and um, you know it, it feels like it's a little bit back to uh, back to what it's been. Uh, I don't know. Um, this was this was not a, a, a great day for Syracuse's defense. Um, At Perry, by the way, ten catches for one hundred and nineteen yards and three scores for Wake. Good player. That'll do. Yeah, that'll do. Um, Wake racks up well over five hundred yards of offense in this game. That's something that you generally don't see from from Syracuse and that defense is giving up over 500 yards. But you know, at some point, they're they're. I think Syracuse has been depleted enough by a couple of injuries that it's it. This is a different defense than they were back in September. Uh, oh they yeah, are, they are not as effective defensively as they were early in the season. I would agree. And they've played. I mean, so, the the other part too is they're playing better offenses now. Yeah, that too. That too. Um, like you said, I mean, Sean Tucker kind of got what he needed, 16 carries for 106 yards and two scores. I mean, that's, that's a pretty good outing for him, but, um, you know, when Sam Hartman's throwing for 331 and four scores and not turning the ball over, that's, uh, that's going to be hard to overcome. Yes. Agree. Agree. So wake 45, Syracuse 35, wake seven and four. This feels like a bit of a disappointing season with the way that it's unfolded over the last month. This breaks a three game losing skid for them. Um, but They'll play against Duke next week. A chance to win eight games still. I mean, you can't be mad at that. I think if you're Wake. No, and and they've had some, they've had some weird results too this year. Mm-hmm. Where like, if you play the game ten times, Louisville's game, the Louisville game specifically, you play the game ten times. I'm not sure they lose the majority of them. So, and they certainly wouldn't lose almost any of them by twenty nine points or whatever they lost it by, just <laughs> right. because. They start turning the ball over like they wanted to. Like, yeah. yeah, that was wild. Yeah, turnover luck got a little wild there. Yes, it did. Yes, it did. Mike, your Hokies 
23, Liberty 22. I will be damned if I was not ready to take Virginia Tech plus the 10 on the preview and you talked me off of it. And what do you know? Your Hokies go into Lynchburg, I think it is, and get the win. The only thing I will say about this game, Joey, is that Liberty had a five-point lead in the fourth quarter. It's not like that bet was necessarily the wrong side here. Mm-hmm. That's that's what I'll say. Especially when you go back. So I didn't watch this game live, full disclosure. I had to go back and watch this today, for better or worse. Mm. Um, let's start here. So Jalen Holston, my buddy Jalen Holston, <clears throat> had... guy. Tw- 26, my guy, 26 carries, 99 yards, and three touchdowns. So you guys will remember, we'll kind of go back in the time machine a little bit. Um, about two months ago, I was criticizing Virginia Tech's goal line play calling. I forget even what game it was. Uh, but I said they shouldn't give the ball. I think it was the Pittsburgh game maybe, Scott? I can't remember. I think maybe Pittsburgh. Doesn't doesn't, it really doesn't matter. I, but it was it was like late September, early October, and I, I was criticizing the goal line play calling, just suggesting that they give the ball to a little bit quicker back because the offensive line was struggling. Jalen Holston slid in my DMs, told me to go F myself, and sent me a picture of his foot <laughs> with this really gnarly cut. So after he scored three touchdowns, I almost sent him a picture of my foot. I thought that would be like a nice way to kind of reciprocate. Uh, I didn't. I didn't. But um, it was on the table. So he had 99 yards rushing and three touchdowns. Virginia you Tech. Think he's into foot stuff. Is that what we're saying? Or like, I. I, I <sighs> Sorry. Continue. Maybe he thought I was. I don't know. The. <laughs> anyway, Virginia Tech I had. Mean, are you? While we're on the topic, <laughs> moving on, Virginia Tech had multiple <laughs> opportunities to put this game away That's and couldn't, no. and couldn't. They couldn't put this game away. You know, um, every time they had an opportunity to, they they either couldn't pick up a, th- a really important third down, or they had a drop pass, or they had a really inauspicious play call. There was some weird stuff going on in this football game that you know really put Virginia Tech behind the eight ball. They were six for eighteen on third down. That didn't go particularly well. Um, they ran the ball. They're really committed to running the ball in this game. They ran the ball 59 times in this football game. Now that includes, you know, a few sacks in there too. Um, they're really committed to the run here because I think they felt like they could bully Liberty up front, which I I wouldn't say they bullied Liberty up front, but they did what they needed to do. Right. Um, Keyshawn King had 78 yards on, on 11 carries. He probably should have gotten the ball a little bit more. But I think they almost decided, like, this could be Jalen Holston's, like, you know, road game senior day, so to speak. So we're just going to give him the ball until he dies. So they just ran it right down Liberty's throat with Jalen Holston 26 times. And he averaged less than four yards per carry. But it really just wore Liberty out. Like, that was my takeaway here. Like, Liberty just got worn out defensively. And that's saying a lot when there's a Virginia Tech offense that's simply not very good. Like Grant Wells was fourteen mm-hmm. to twenty for one hundred and forty-eight yards against a Liberty defense that is not fantastic. So I don't know how to feel about this if you're a Virginia Tech fan. I mean, I think on on one side, you know, you beat a team that was eight and two. On the other side, Liberty's probably a little bit fraudulent. We talked about in the preview how they hadn't beaten a team with a record over five hundred yet this year. And that wasn't obviously going to uh, that streak wasn't going to be broken on Saturday against Virginia Tech. Uh, mm-hmm. It's uh, 
I don't think Liberty's very good, which is fine. They lost Malik Willis to the NFL. That's fine. Like, the fact they won eight games this year is an accomplishment. But, like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I think it's a big win for Virginia Tech from the standpoint of, like, I didn't think they were going to win another one. So, you know, from that standpoint, I think it's a big win. But you beat a mediocre Liberty team, in my opinion, by a point. So I don't know how much momentum this actually gives them, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I don't know. I mean, like you said, I mean, we didn't we didn't really have a good feeling if they were going to win another game at all. So to get one at this point is, is nice. And you break, what was it, a seven-game losing streak? Yes. Something like that? Yep. I mean, Longest in 50 it's, years. That's something. It's it's more than nothing. Um, I will say I, I did not get a chance to watch this game, like, basically at all. Um, what I will say is that there were there were two things that I know about this game. Uh, number one is... As, as this game was going on, I'd pull up Twitter and I saw Virginia Tech Twitter going back and forth on how is Grant Wells still our quarterback? Like, get this guy out of here. He cannot play. He is not any good. Blah, 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 blah. The other thing that I know about this game is that Grant Wells took a safety on a play that started on the seven-yard line. That is not easy to do. Not easy to do. But we find a way, Joey. We find a way. Uh, that's right. We overcame. Yes. We overcame the odds and took a safety uh, on a seven-yard sack. So, uh, yeah, congrats to Grant Wells on that one. Um, hey, credit to the Hokies. Got the win. Uh, did not go winless in state against G5 opponents. Um, so there's that. That That is true. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not... It's not nothing, but it's also really not something. So <laughs> it's not that much of anything. Yeah. I don't We'll see. I I'm optimistic with some of the things I saw in this game. I the one thing I want to mention, Chris Marv called the plays, defensive coordinator. So a big theme this year has been the game management issues that Virginia Tech has had because Brent Pry has been calling the defense because Chris Marv is a oh. first year defensive coordinator. Uh mm. Chris Marv called the defense here and I thought he was pretty solid. Um, hmm. so I'm hoping that if that we'll see if the Virginia game happens this week, if the Virginia game happens, I'm hoping that Marv calls plays again to kind of establish some momentum going into next year. Um, Virginia tech for the second week in a row didn't have penalties. Absolutely kill them. Um, you know, Virginia tech lost that game obviously last weekend and didn't commit any penalties. And, now this week they only commit four for 44 yards you can win a lot of games only committing four penalties for 44 yards that is doable the 10 and 11 penalty games that's makes it a little bit more difficult so they mm-hmm. that's improved so there, there's some stuff going in and i get the bars low but there's some stuff going in a good direction yeah yeah i mean it's always important to remember i, I mean 10 11 penalties is too much no penalties is not enough. You got to have the right number of penalties in there if you want to give yourself a chance to win the game. So I, I think you're finding the sweet spot here with four. I think that I think that'll carry over well. Yeah, I I can't tell if you're being sarcastic or not, but I will say <laughs> that I do feel good that they're not committing double digit penalties. Yes, yeah, definitely an improvement. There it is. Um, yes, sl- yeah, definitely, definitely some sarcasm in there. Yeah, I, just a little bit. I sensed that. I sensed that. <laughs> uh, all right. I don't have anything else here. Anything else? 
Yeah, can I just add that it was mm-hmm. really cool that the ACC allowed uh, Virginia Tech to quickly change uniforms. So if those who didn't watch, Liberty is a Navy school. They wear the color Navy. Uh, and the ACC allowed Virginia Tech to wear their away or home orange, all orange jerseys. Uh, and so Liberty was in all Navy, and Virginia Tech was in all orange as a tribute to the University of Virginia and uh, the few players that we lost last week. Um, and those who are also not aware, um, Lynchburg, where Liberty is based and the game was played, is only about an hour from Charlottesville. So mm. it was a cool moment. Um, so shout out to the ACC for doing that. I thought it was really cool. It's a great call out. Yep. Yeah. And and once again, I mean, I, I, we didn't we haven't talked about it on this episode. We did mention it right off the top on the preview. But again, our, our hearts are the, with those in Charlottesville. I know that there was a memorial service on Saturday. Um you know, I, we don't have news yet on whether they play next week against Virginia Tech or not. Could very much see that going either way. Um, but we'll, you know, we'll keep you updated. We'll we'll have some more on that when we get to the the preview for Week 13 here later this week. We should know by then. I think so. I think so. By yeah, we'll probably record that Tuesday night with the holiday coming on Thursday. Uh, but I, I would think by Tuesday night we'll probably know one yeah. way or the other. Especially since it's supposed to be a Friday game, if I'm not mistaken. No Saturday game. Saturday game. Thanks, Scott. Yep. Yep. So, all right. Virginia Tech 23, Liberty 22. We got two more here, Mike, and maybe a third one, depending on what uh, producer Scott is up for. Uh, Oh, dear. Number 18, Notre Dame 44, Boston College nothing. Um, This game was not ever really close or competitive. And that was in the the first half. And then, uh, Scott, we said what – we call it a squall. There was like a pop-up blizzard that came up, like – I saw some of this game like for a few minutes in the second quarter and, and everything looked fine and normal. And then I turned it on the fourth quarter and it was like, there was like a foot of snow on the, on the ground. Like, I don't know when that happened. Yeah. They call it a squall when like, uh, there's like a pop-up storm like that. I think that actually doesn't qualify as a squall because <laughs> a squall is like a 15 to 30 minute thing, not like a hour long thing. It seemed to continue, but hmm. yeah. So, I want to mention something off the top here. Phil Dracovic, <laughs> Scott <laughs> Scott pointed this out to us, and then I went on Twitter and saw it all over because I, I follow a, a fair amount of Notre Dame accounts and podcasts, stuff like that. Uh, they were all trolling Phil Dracovic after the game because Scott pointed this out to us on Saturday night after the game had ended, and I had missed this. So I mentioned like I didn't see a lot of the games in like, the very early window. I caught the back part of the, the Duke-Pitt game. Um, but missed missed the Virginia Tech game live, so I really started watching like college football in depth yesterday around like three thirty in the afternoon, and I had missed this live. But Phil Trakovic apparently before the game put out an Instagram post in which he basically just referred to Notre Dame as like they're just a brand name. It's not that cool, like to to like go to school there. Like they're fine. I. Interesting thing to say, because number one, he couldn't suit up for this game. He did not play. <laughs> Emmett Moore yeah. had started, right? And Phil Dracovic was talking about, oh, I would have loved to play. I have this, that, and the other thing wrong with me. But, you know, <laughs> let me slander. Let me just slander Notre Dame real quick. And mm-hmm. then Notre Dame just kicked the piss out of him. This game, yeah. <laughs> ben- Benjamin Morrison. So Benjamin Morrison, Notre Dame, Notre Dame defensive back. He had two interceptions against Clemson. We, we talked about him a couple weeks back. He had two interceptions against Clemson. He had three interceptions in this game against Boston College. Um, mm-hmm. He was a stud in this game. BC could not stop the run. 
Uh, Logan Diggs went for, went for 122 yards on the ground. Audrey St- uh, Estime, excuse me, 11 carries, 71 yards, two scores. Chris Tyree got in the end zone. Uh, Drew Pine threw a touchdown pass. Um, this was not ever really competitive from the jump. BC, mm-hmm. it was 17 nothing after the first quarter. It was 37 nothing at halftime. BC packed it in and went home. By the way, I bet on Notre Dame on Saturday as well to cover 20, and they doubled that. So mm. shout out Notre Dame because they should have covered against Navy last Saturday, and they owed me one for kind of mailing it in the second half. So they they kind of made it up for me there. And, um, yeah, BC was terrible. Emmett Moorhead threw three interceptions. This was – we've said some nice things about Emmett Moorhead the last few weekends. Uh we did not have many good things to say after this particular game because he was 9 of 22 for 117 and three picks. BC could not run the football. Alex Broom couldn't get going. Pat Garwo couldn't get going. Cam Barfield had 12 carries for 23 yards. This was a terrible, terrible, terrible game for Boston College coming off of that huge upset against NC State. Terrible game. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they, they had no answers for Notre Dame's defense. And, and I mean, not not shocking. Like Notre Dame's defense, especially in the second half of the season, has been dominant. Like they've been really, really good. And so it's a team like Boston College that I think has struggled a little bit with injuries and identity a little bit. I, I just, it's not surprising that they were not able to really keep up here in any way, shape, or form. Um, I did love the uh, <laughs> Phil Dracovic tweeting through it on Instagram. Basically, uh, it was. It's a really weird like I, I asked the guys from from the from the rumble seat blog they, there's a, a financial article that they had put together that they they had a name for it I was trying to come up with it and remember what it was and what they, they referred to it as their opus the magnum opus and uh, it really looked like it was Phil Dracovic's opus on uh, Instagram about why yeah something about Notre Dame not being as good as it should be and you know, does he regret that he left and some things? I don't know, man. It went to a pretty weird place. So uh, if you can, if you get the chance to go find it, I recommend it. It's uh, it's good reading. I, <laughs> I think um, the one thing I'll say about Phil Dracovic is he's not the guy we thought he was. You know, you know, how Denny Green did the they are who we thought they were. Yeah, whole rant. Um, Phil Dracovic is not who we thought he was. That's just. What I'm going to go with. He was really good in 20. He uh, was decidedly not as good in 21, and then he broke his wrist, and he definitely wasn't as good. So the first half of the season is what I'm talking about, where it was like Mm -hmm. he was not the same 2020 guy, but we were like, oh, it's probably like stuff around him. And then when he played this year, the BC offensive line, obviously, really, really bad. But... I think Djokovic took some steps back, too. He might not be that good. I'm not trying to rub it in with Boston College fans here, but what are the odds that we see Djokovic in a Boston College uniform next fall? Low. 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 Okay. And is that because he's going to hear his name called on a stage somewhere in late April, early May? Or is that because he's going to be wearing another college team's uniform? If I were him and I was trying to make the most money possible for myself, I would go ahead and try to wear another college team's uniform first. Hmm. I don't think you're wrong. But don't think you're wrong. You know, we've seen mediocre college quarterbacks move on and be really good in the NFL. Shout out Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, very isn't true. He, 
doesn't he have to doesn't he have to wait a year though? Because he already transferred once. Uh, he could he could grad transfer somewhere else. Okay. Yeah. Because he grad he transfer. will have been in college for four years. Because he did not right, he, he, was, he did not grad tra- he did not grad grad transfer from ND to BC. That was a straight up transfer. So Scott to Scott's point, you can only transfer one time if you're not without sitting out a year. Right. It's a one time tra- transfer rule where you're immediately eligible. You can only transfer once if you're an undergrad, not a grad transfer. You know, without having right. to sit out for a year. Um. He's to a point now where he'll probably just grad transfer, and he does have another year of eligibility because of the COVID year not counting. So, yep, yep. All right, just something I was interested in. Notre Dame forty-four, Boston College nothing. Uh, last one here, Mike. Number nineteen, Florida State forty-nine, Louisiana seventeen. And honestly, it wasn't even that close. Louisiana scored fourteen points in the fourth quarter to even like make this look remotely competitive. Florida State was up forty-nine to three after three quarters. Um, really easy dominant win for the Knolls here yeah I mean the only thing I was mildly concerned about was whether or not the over would hit and we got word before the game that Ben Woolridge their starting quarterback uh, was not going to play yesterday so Mm -hmm. we had a group text going around quarter to 12 where we were all trying to figure out if we were going to bet (laughs) the three of us were trying to figure out if we were going to lay them with Florida State and I think that got up to what was that, Joey? 24 and a half, I believe. I I laid him at 24. You laid him at 24, and I, I was last, trying to get in at 24 as well. Yeah. I last saw it at 24. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was trying to get in at I was trying to get in at 24, and I saw it at 24 and a half. Scott saw it at 25. Like they end up winning by 32, so it would have been fine either way, but I was not comfortable laying that bet. Now, the overhead. <laughs> almost by itself. So, mm-hmm. I mean, Florida, Florida State, State did, yeah. Florida State, yes, almost hit by themselves. Total is 52, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. I This was just, this is one of those games where you just, like, play as many guys as you feel like and, like, see how many points you can rack up. So, mm-hmm. Tate Rotemaker got in, A.J. Duffy got in, Gino English got in. This, these are all quarterback names for Florida State, by the way. Jordan right. Travis nine to 14 for 112 and a touchdown so obviously he didn't throw the ball too much but he did have two rushing touchdowns Trey Sean Ward two scores Trey Benson scored on the ground this was a uh, name your score game for Florida State never competitive not not really at all I don't have a lot of analysis here um, like you said I mean Florida State got a ton of guys in the game a ton of guys got touches um, either in the run game in the passing game etc there were I, I don't know 23 different players on defense who like made tackles or had recordable stats like yeah you know this was this was an empty the bench game for Florida State and they they won handily and comfortably and and good for them I mean again eight and three and are they at home next week yeah they're at home against (laughs) a Florida team that just lost to Vanderbilt if I'm not mistaken that's correct yeah so uh, I feel okay about the Knolls in that game yep and um yeah, they have a, a chance to finish nine and three here in the regular season, and that's a, I think that's a hell of an outcome for for where this program has been. And uh, you know, honestly, they were four and three not too long ago. So to to rip off four straight wins here, a chance to win a fifth is a really impressive way to finish the regular season. This team should have won ten games. Yep. So I mean, I'm just gonna. I, 
I believe, and I'm with you, Joey, I believe they're going to beat Florida. But what we've mm-hmm. seen out of Florida and the way Florida State's trending, these are two teams trending in different directions. Florida State's at home. They have the better quarterback. I know everybody loves Anthony Richardson, but he has not been very good. Florida State's got the better quarterback in that game next Saturday. Um, they're trending in opposite directions. Florida State is going to finish second in the Atlantic. I think they're going to win that game to to win nine to go nine and three. They should have beaten NC State. You know, we, we mm-hmm. talked about the play calling there at the end. Like that that should have been ten wins. They should have just kicked the field goal and that would have been it. Um, this could have been ten and two, and they return a lot of guys next year. And mm-hmm. this is going to be one of the teams to watch heading into next year in the ACC. Um, the hype train, I know, is everybody wants to know, is Florida State back? Is Miami back? Are all these teams, you know, Texas back? All these schools. Florida State is legitimately back in terms of, like, they are going to be relevant heading into next season, and it's going to be warranted and justified by the way they're playing this year. And Norvell laid the foundation, and they have a really, really good team returning next year. So, yep. Yep. This this was a really really important year that Norvell, you know, they had to kind of hit out of the park. And this was basically best case scenario. 10 and 2 was probably best case scenario, but this was pretty much best case scenario. They they beat LSU, which is aging spectacularly. Um they kicked the crap out of Miami in a rivalry game. If they beat Florida and fin- kind of finish the drill so to speak, like this is this is going to be big time where you beat multiple rivals, mm-hmm. you beat an LSU team that's in the SEC championship. There's going to be a lot of hype around this Florida State program next year, and it's all going to be warranted. Agreed. Uh, I, I think if Duke wasn't doing what they were doing, I, I think Mike Norvell, definite ACC Coach of the Year candidate or favorite, but I think he probably comes in second to Elko. Yeah, I think everybody's going to come in second to Elko considering what Duke had coming back. I think this was on the table for Florida State coming into the year. Like, this was best-case scenario where they'd win 9 or 10. So they had the talent. Duke making a bowl game and, you know, potentially winning eight games was not on the table. So I think it's got to be Elko. Yep, yep, absolutely. Florida State, 49, Louisiana, 17. Um, Mike, that's all I got. Scott and Les... I think there was one more game you had interested in, uh, in recapping here. Are you talking about our boys? Our Falcons? Not really interested in recapping, but we could <laughs> preview their game against Ohio on Tuesday. Oh, it's a big one. Which With a chance a to play game. for the MAC championship. <laughs> Bowling Green is on the road, 7 p.m. on ESPNU, Tuesday night. Seven-point underdogs. Set your alarms. Over-under is is 56. If they win, they are going to the MAC title game for a rematch against Toledo, I think. Who they almost... I have a hot take. Who they they beat already. Yeah. Go for it, Joey. I think Bowling Green might be this year's Northern Illinois. (laughs) Northern (laughs) Illinois last year went 7-1 and in MAC play or something with a negative point differential. Like... Basically won every game by two points or less, and then they lost one by, like, 30. Yeah, I think that might be Bowling Green this year. There is uh, there is some serious uh, nonsense that has gone on to get them some close wins here. Love you, Scott Leffler, but not really. You know, Brent Pry, if he's looking for an offensive coordinator, I, I got a guy you can call. <laughs> 
I hope it's not Scott Leffler. It, <laughs> it could be. Yeah. Oh no. All right. I'm just gonna let everyone know. I will place a small wager money line for the Bowling Green Falcons to win. So Tuesday night, when you come back to preview Week 13, we can t- talk about how stupid I am, and we can play this sound. What? <laughs> what an idiot! <laughs> what an idiot! Oh, what a loser! That's actually a great idea. I feel like we actually all needed to do that and just be able to uh, tweet through it here in the podcast as uh, we do the, re- the the preview as uh, we see if Bowling Green makes the MAC championship. I mean, <laughs> I'd be game. I'm on a little bit of a heater, so I would I would be down to place a little money line upset pick for Bowling Green to see if it hits. <laughs> Absolutely nobody quite like this to. Uh, Ruin your heater yes. for what that's worth. But yeah, that, that's true. Go Falcons. Uh, all right. I think that's actually all I got. Anything else that we need to uh, talk about before we work on getting out of here? We got teams of the week. Uh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's got to be Georgia Tech, right? I think so. Yeah, it's either Georgia Tech or maybe Louisville. Yeah, but. Yeah, one of those two. Yeah, probably Georgia Tech. They were three touchdown underdogs, so probably Georgia Tech. All right, I'll ex- I, I will accept that on behalf of my Yellow Jackets, uh, ACC Team of the Week. Um, player of the Week, I mean, A.T. Perry, again, with 10 catches and three touchdowns is pretty good. Um, I got one. Keon White for Georgia Tech did have three sacks in that game. Go ahead. I got one. Uh, UVA running back Mike Hollins, who ran back onto the bus to try to save his teammates, and is who was shot multiple times in the in the incident in Charlottesville. He's up walking in the hospital, and is, is, uh, he might actually already be discharged. I'm not sure, but he's expected to be discharged from the hospital this week, and plans on t- returning to the football team. So, uh, player of the week is Mike Hollins. Had not heard that story. Uh, co-signed. Yes. 100% on board with that. Yeah. That's where I'm going this week. That's that's my yeah, player he, of the week. He can be absolute player of the week, yeah. for sure. Yeah. For sure. Uh, all right. Any other awards or any other points of discussion before we get out of here? Uh, we got to find so We got to find a Kobe Bryant award winner real quick, don't we? Uh, I was looking at, while I was looking at my Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets, Dante Smith did have 12 carries for 16 yards and a touchdown. Uh, that's... <laughs> I think that's a winner. That's pretty good. It's gonna be that, tough. That'll to beat. that'll work. That's gonna be tough to beat. Yeah. Yeah. We'll there were that. there were a couple of lines, but that's that's a, that's a pretty good one. So that to uh, Dante good. Smith, we say we'll go with that. Kobe. Kobe. <laughs> All right. Anything else? No. Don't think so. All right. Let's Last work on. Nugget. Oh, yeah, what? Nugget. Nerd in. Notre Dame, our ACC adjacent friends, start as five and a half point dogs on the road against the. Irish. Oh, love the, love, the mm. love the Irish on the money line. Hmm. USC. We'll see if they can score. U- USC. USC does not want to get in a game in the trenches against Notre Dame. They, that's something they Mm-mm. don't want to do. Um, can you guess the total right now? Fifty-two. I'm looking at it right now, so Higher. I'm not going to play a game. Yeah. 60? 62 and a half. So they, okay. Well, I think if that game goes over, that favors USC. Um, <laughs> this that's a, that's a game of styles. If Notre Dame establishes the run, 
and makes USC try to play four quarters in the trenches, I think the Irish should feel really good about their chances to win the game with how they played the last month. If USC turns it into a track meet, I don't think Notre Dame has a prayer. That's how I feel about Mm -hmm. this. Absolute styles make fights. Yep. For sure. We will uh, will monitor that one. That's going to be an interesting game next week for sure. It is. Would love nothing more than to see Notre Dame knock USC out of the college football playoff discussion. Would love it. That would be hilarious. USC's defense is very bad. Questionable at best, yeah. At best, (laughs) yes. Mike, let's get out of here. Uh, We are going to come back. we got a short week here, so we're going to come back probably Tuesday night and hopefully maybe have it posted by like Thursday morning or something, but the preview for week 13. So keep your podcast feeds tuned here. Uh, in the meantime, I'm at FTRS Joey. He is at Mike McDaniel SI together at BC Podcast ACC. And go give producer Scott a follow at Severus Snipes on Twitter. Or Severus underscore Snipes. Hell yeah. Correct. <laughs> Sweet. Uh, we are on iTunes. We're on Spotify. We're a lot of pretty much anywhere that you can go find podcasts. We're on uh, the uh, Amazon Music now. So... Ask your Amazon-based home automation systems of one I have, and I don't want to trigger them right now, but go uh, ask them to play Basketball Conference podcast for you on Amazon Music. Just a smart speaker, Joey, but thanks. <laughs> yep, yep. Uh, send us an email to the longest email address on demand, basketballconferencepodcast at gmail.com. Nailed it. Appreciate it. Uh, Mike, where else can they find us on the social medias? Facebook. Uh, facebook.com slash basketball conference rate review and find some clips there and some of our podcasts are there as well and on Instagram we, we are more active right. on Instagram than we ever have been before so absolutely shout out producer Scott yep totally responsible uh, for that and we're on YouTube go search for basketball conference on YouTube we are we are closing in on 100 subscribers please 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 help us pump up those numbers yes Scott is also responsible Wait, for that we know that- I know you're out there. I see the listener numbers. We have more than 84. Please just open up your Gmail account and subscribe on YouTube. Mm-hmm. You. That would be much, much appreciated. Please do it. All right. Mike, anything else? We're just a couple subscribers away from like 15,000. So. I think so. I think so. Okay. You should be 15,000 if, you uh, if you're not yet subscribed. Yes, I agree. <laughs> Uh, Mike, I think my daughter is hungry, so uh, I'm going to go work on resolving that situation. Okay. Yeah, you go take care of that. I will. All right. Sounds good. Well, until next time, for Mr. Mike McDaniel, I am Joey Weaver. Thank you guys so much for listening. We will talk to you again soon. And until then, go ACC. Go ACC.